Brothers, Two Girls, One Podcast, a weekly audio journey through the world wild web and back again. On this episode, we question our life choices as a feline breakfast pastry that defecates rainbows sold for half a million dollars. More importantly, where did we go wrong? And now here are the podcast hosts who track the meme economy the way Jim Cramer tracks the real economy. That is, lots of shouting all the time. Alison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula. Hello, crazy cats. I'm Jen. I'm Allie Cat. Welcome to Two Girls One Podcat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's Matt the cat laughing over there. Hey, hey. Allie and I are performers. We were in the musical Cats in the 1980s <laughs> on Broadway. I thought Just- I saw you there. <laughs> We had, uh, no, we're kidding. We had a live comedy show called Blog Logs. We used the internet as our script. We then had a web series called Two Girls, One Show. We went on scripted adventures and also met just people behind internet posts and communities. And now we're here with the Two Girls, One podcast. We're talking to people behind internet communities and phenomena that we find interesting. Phenomena is the theme today because uh, also the the old and the new are colliding. We are looking at a sort of a legendary meme, which you might be onto already based on our intro. And we're going to talk about it in terms of a new technology that's out there today. So that's a lot to digest. Ali, what the fuck is happening today? <laughs> we're talking to the creator of Nian Cat. Did you not know there was a creator? Neither did we, but there is someone <laughs> who created it. Why? We don't know. We'll find out in case you don't remember Nian cat it gives you a heart attack there are a lot of colors and pop tarts and cats uh just one so um someone should really stop me now this really it started strong and then it really went off the rails very quickly wait i'll stop you i just want to say that that neon cat music i might like it better than our actual theme music no don't even no (laughs) yeah it's like an earworm is that what people call it It, like gets in there just won't yeah. yeah, yeah. I miss uh, life so much that that song makes me want to dance. <laughs> it's been a Do while. Do you guys huh? remember dance parties? <laughs> uh, so we're no. talking to the creator of Nian Cat, uh, but more specifically because it's the ten year anniversary, and he just sold it using NFTs, which are a new technology we're going to talk about. I believe he made half a million dollars selling Nian Cat, which is mind-boggling. Asterisk. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a certain amount of Ethereum uh, cryptocurrency Ethereum, that is yeah. currently worth 600 grand or something like that. Yeah. Tomorrow could be worth zero. We don't, we don't know. Right. So I'm just going to put out there NFT, non-fungible token. I don't even really know what the word fungible means, guys, like let alone like what a non-fungible token is. It's like a mushroom. It's like, yeah, a, it's like you put it on your pizza. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, it's like when you go yeah. on like a day long trip, it's, it's, that's fungible, <laughs> you know? So I know they're all the rage, um, but can, can one of you just like break it down like okay. really simply? Yeah. A $10 bill is fungible because it can be broken up into 10 $1 bills or $5 bills. 
Something is non-fungible if it is completely unique and cannot be substituted in any way. How'd I do? Ooh. Perfect. That's, sounds good to me. And so NFTs are being used for people to claim sole ownership of their work, potentially before and or after it spreads like wildfire across the internet. Like one neon cat. That's right. So yes, we have the creator here, Chris Torres. We're really excited to speak with him. He created the original image. Uh, we'll probably hear this from him later, but I don't believe he created the song. So but, but we'll, we'll learn more. Wait, I'm sorry, which song? I got the, um, yeah. the 10-hour version from oh, YouTube. Yeah. That almost sounds like the intro to Clarissa Explains It All back in the day. Do you guys remember Ooh. that? Yeah. yeah. I just had a little, little nostalgia yeah. moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, I'm so excited about this interview. Let's keep things moving. Um, and are you ready for trivia, Matt? Are you ready for us? <laughs> I'm ready to skip trivia because we have. Whoa. Yay. Hi, friends. This is Leon. I'm from Oregon. I just listened to your podcast about, or you interviewed Bridget, which I thought was really great. And just want to throw in my two cents because I have been learning a lot over the past, like, three years and getting into history. I'm learning a lot of stuff from, like, high school and stuff. Bridget has a really good point about the individual responsibility of things where, like, I have noticed, um, I mean, I disengaged from social media a while ago, but I still go on Instagram and I get very caught up in all the political memery. But I have noticed that in looking at the past and, and in reading like black stories, learning about black artists and writers and people who dealt with the way that America spread violence around, um, it's a lot easier to see headlines and disinformation and be like, wow, that's that's complete propaganda bullshit. Like like why are people getting caught up in this? And I and I leave it alone or I'll post about it and be like, this is bullshit. Plain and simple. When it gets in my face, I definitely say something because I feel like it's an it's an individual <laughs> level of radicalism that is going to change things. Capitalism, obviously, is horrible. Wow, I'm ranting. All right, have a great day. Bye. Thank you so much for calling us and for sharing your thoughts. And I love that you were riffing. Everybody call. We want to hear from you. Yeah, social media, it's it's tough with all the political memes to like it's just, I totally hear what you're saying about like, if you actually can go back and like do some other types of reading and research beyond just, you know, logging onto Instagram, that it makes spotting the disinformation a little bit easier. I don't know, Ali, what are your thoughts? I'm glad she liked that episode. Big fan of Bridget Todd and disinformation. She's won a bunch of awards. Or the podcast has been, you know, acclaimed in a lot of places since we interviewed her. Uh, yeah, I think as individuals and as a collective, we need to do some work. I also think the world is extremely polarized right now. And we all need to calm the fuck down. Uh, Leon was saying, was talking about unlearning things from high school. And it gets back to what Ali always says, which is like, if we did better at education, we'd have a better like view of our own history, which then Leon saying, 
makes you more media literate. Like we talk about media literacy all the time. And how do we solve media literacy? Maybe if we had a better perspective on like, you know, racism and fascism and all that, like you, you wouldn't be susceptible. You as an individual would be less susceptible to bullshit on the internet. You mean if we were educated, maybe we'd be less susceptible yeah. to bullshit? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have more. I have okay. an Ooh. email. Again, it's electronic mail. It doesn't come from the, the post office. It comes through the computer. You guys are familiar with that? Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. Kind of. Yeah. Um, 2G1podcast at gmail.com is the email address. We read all the email that we get. And this one was great. Uh, it says, hello, 2G1P. This is from Casper in Vancouver, Canada. I'm a big fan of the podcast. have been listening for a few years. It's always fun to listen to Ali, Jen, and Matt discuss interesting stuff that's happening in the online world. I think you are all very funny, but also very thoughtful. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like, you're all very funny, but Allie needs to <laughs> shut up. I was waiting for like, but Jen can really pick up the energy. <laughs> I was, I heard the same like addendum. <laughs> Thank <Got> you. Got him. <laughs> Casper says, the latest episode on cryptocurrency, I find, however, was very one-sided. Cryptos are highly speculative, and the guest, uh, he's referring to Adam B. Levine from Coindesk, uh, barely touched upon the risks and criticisms. The truth is that nobody knows where this is going, and if the bubble bursts, a lot of people will lose their life savings. The guest represents Coindesk, so it is no surprise that he's bullish in general on cryptos, but I feel like the audience could have been benefited from more pointed questions from the hosts. Anyways, just some feedback from a fan. I absolutely love Ali's idea to start a cock chain. Thanks for the <laughs> podcast. They brighten my day. I'm so glad that we're getting some support for the cock chain. <laughs> the idea is out there. Also, Casper, thanks for listening for years. Yeah. Years, literal years. That's crazy. I have no memory. So sometimes I'm like, listeners know my life better than I do. <laughs> So is it a bubble that's going to burst? What do we, I mean. I, I do think, I do think yeah. it's a bubble that's potentially going to burst. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And I also think uh, the thing with cryptocurrency too, is everyone wants it to be like this alternate, this like a beautiful utopian alternative to banks, but like they're kind of becoming just like stocks that you're betting on, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, we, we talked about it a bit. It, I, 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 my hope for crypto is that it, it stops becoming commodities and speculative and starts becoming a, a de facto currency. And, and uh, you know, everything Casper is saying is 100% right. But I'll also say that, like, I think our conversation was, and Adam's point was that blockchain has huge potential. And, and a lot of the conversation was about blockchain. I don't, I don't recall Adam saying, like, put your life savings in crypto. Like, yeah. lots of people put their life savings in stocks. Put your life savings in crypto. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it, like, I guess what I'm saying is, like, if you're putting your life savings in anything, you're a fucking idiot. Like, you could say the same about the stock market. So, like, I mean, it's, it's all a bubble. There's a lot of bubbles that you could yeah. uh, pop into, you know, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, we will certainly talk more about this today with our guest. But first, we got to take you to an ad. Thank you, Chris Harrison. Jerry Duran. Jessica Fox. Melissa Elliott. James Dozier. Deborah Duberpants. Kathy Phillips. William. Matthew Scott. Leslie Cordell. All of these fabulous folks have donated to our Patreon at $10 or more, and we thank them. Yeah, patreon.com slash 2G1P. 
sad lately because he is fasting for Lent like Jesus. He has been more spiritual, but he has been depressed and hardly moves from his tube. I have tried to make him laugh by wearing my wife's clothes, but the cat doesn't laugh or even smile, and my wife gets mad and tells me I am not a real man. I need a professional clown to help my cat explain to my wife that I dress like a girl for to make cat laugh and no other reason. Help me make my cat laugh sad. Yeah, but what if it's a sad clown? What if they send a sad clown? Oh, Honestly, cats are unpredictable, fucked up creatures, so they could be really into a sad, creepy clown. Who knows? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Send send clowns. I'm surprised. I wonder how clowns have done like in Sending the last year. The clowns. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to interview someone from the clown community? They're needed now more than ever, and they must be thriving virtually. So yes. Okay. The answer is yes. (laughs) Fantastic. If you know any clowns, email us tg1podcast at gmail.com. Or if you are a clown. Well, you know, traditional clowns are creepy, but then there's clowning, which is a fantastic art form. I agree. I myself did some clowning in my younger years. <laughs> can, can you define this? Is is this like circus performance art? What what does that mean? Yeah. For me, uh it was uh, I don't know. It's um, like the, physical back it comedy stuff. It was physical comedy stuff, it, and it was circus like uh, trapeze and silks and uh, mm. stilts, and then taking on some different like personas almost. As it was a form of acting called Jacques Lecoq. <laughs> so, I mean, that's hot. That, that's Go what on. it was. Lecoq Jane. That's right. Jacques Lecoq Jane. <laughs> <laughs> so. All of this being said, I think it is time to get to our interview because we have a good one for you today. Please welcome to the show, Chris Torres, who is the artist and creator of the original image of Nian Cat. Hi, Chris. Hey, Jen. Nice to meet you. And thanks for having me here today. Hey, hey, I'm here too. <laughs> hey, Ali, was... nice to meet you as well. Yeah, yeah, it was nice to meet you till that happens. <laughs> nice to meet all of y'all today. <laughs> so we definitely want to get into NFTs today, but to start, we want to give Nian Cat uh, his well-earned moment in the sun <laughs> to say that, you know, it's been 10 years since you created it about. And first of all, can you believe it's been a decade? We're uh, so old. Honestly, and we are so old, but honestly, I feel like that makes us so much wiser and better for it. <laughs> For the future. <laughs> but yeah, it has been 10 years and it's been the craziest 10 years probably of my life, but it's been really yeah. exciting. All right, let's talk about an eternal debate yeah. Nian versus Nyan Cat and GIF versus JIF. <laughs> Those are the hard hitting questions. Okay. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm here for that too. Um, <laughs> so the best way, the first of all, the best best way to say it is Nyan Cat. Uh, I always tell people like you know your knee and somebody named Anne. That's kind of the quick way okay, to say it. Okay, but what if in my head for ten years I've been saying <laughs> Nyan? Then what? Um, 
then honestly, you know, you're free to believe what you want. <laughs> no, no, that's everything that's wrong truth. with today's world. That's not the right answer. <laughs> I think in this case, you know, um, honestly, whatever you believe in, it's that's, you know, Nyancat represents everything and everybody. So, you know, the correct way is Nyan. But if you want to go say, you know, Nyan or Nyan, then, then you're wrong. You know. Then you're wrong. Okay, and what about GIF versus GIF? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about oh, it. Oh, yeah, that's the one that everybody grills me on. Okay, so... <laughs> So, I, you know, I know the correct way to say it is GIF. I know that's mm. the way that the founder wants it to be done. However, I'm going to, you know, I've always been the firm believer of GIF because it's, you know, a hard G mm. and that's the way I do it. But honestly, I, I, I kind of, I've kind well, of gone to the point. <laughs> yeah, I really am with the Nan and GIF. But I, I kind of just try to say animation nowadays to avoid oh, this wow. question. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. All right. I, I say it. I say it. Animation, but it's fine. Yes. Animation. Yes. Oh yes. Animation. <laughs> I like that. Yes. Yes. Um, why? Why nyan? It sounds kind of like a taunting nyan 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 nyan. Yeah. Is that what we're going for? <laughs> the easiest answer is that nyan actually means meow in Japan, and that's, oh, that's, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so it's meow cat basically. Wow. <laughs> Never knew. Okay. Oh wow, that's not clever at all. Now that I know that. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, the hell? This is all a facade. It's not. It's not as. It's not as intelligent as. That looks. <laughs> <laughs> so, why did you create this animation? How did it all come to be? It came to be ten, almost ten years ago. Actually, yeah, the the anniversary is next month on the second. I basically drew it totally random. I was doing a, um, a donation drive for like the American Cross way back in 2011. I was just like taking names in the room. I was like, "Hey, y'all, what do you want me to draw?" And people started drawing. You know, people started writing different suggestions, and I just basically mashed up all of the ideas into what ended up being Yancat. It was a totally, it was a totally random moment, but it kind of stuck in my mind to a point where I stayed up till 6am that night, <laughs> actually creating the image and posting it online. But yeah, that's kind of how it came to be just a totally random occurrence based on just, I was just trying to like give back to, uh, there was a lot of earthquakes going on at the time like the the Tohoku earthquakes way back and I was I was trying to like raise money for the American Red Cross I I only raised like a hundred dollars that week but like you know it was still a hundred dollars <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> it, was, it was helping <laughs> yeah uh if somebody out there listening for some reason doesn't know what this image is how would you describe it I'm just curious but honestly um, if they don't like I, I don't know get, why are you listening to this podcast you know go, go yeah. to the next um, well, you know, I still people still don't know what it is, and that's cool. Um, best way to describe it is digital sugar in an image form. <laughs> Just the happiest thing you can experience. It yes. is a cat. Yes. It is basically a pixelated cat uh, who's actually based off my old my uh, my old cat Marty uh, flying through <laughs> space, and he has a breakfast pastry body, and he has rainbows flying out of him like a trail, and he's just flying through space as happy as a clam. That's that's the best way to describe it. I know yeah. nobody will understand it on this on description, but <laughs> I you know mean, what? I liked is. hearing that description. Yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah. I also appreciate that you said breakfast I pastry too, and as not, opposed to yeah. pop tart. <laughs> yes, that's also the, another debate for He's another flying time. on a rainbow <laughs> of diabetes. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so yeah, tell us about witnessing it blow up on the internet because I think you were not expecting that, and at the time, ten years ago, it was not really a normal occurrence yet. Correct. Um, I'm I'm actually still like shocked at the events of those first weeks mm -hmm. that happened. Um, I or originally just posted it on Twitter and my Tumblr, 
And I had a personal website at the time. And honestly, I made it because I wanted to make, um, back then Twitter used to allow animated avatars on their profiles. And mm -hmm. that was like the only reason I had, I wanted to do it just to just to, like spruce up my Twitter profile. But yeah, I posted it. I went to sleep because it was 6 a.m. <laughs> then I woke up and I already had like a dozen emails waiting for me when I woke up. And things just kept amping up after that. It just kind of started. I kept getting more emails and I started getting phone calls, which was weird. And it was it was a whole thing where like, you know, most of them were people like trying to like, you know, say they love the work and all that. But then there was like all these people trying to like get in on it, which was also kind of strange at the time. Yeah. And but yeah, so memes definitely weren't were very, you know, at their very infancy back then in 20. 10, 20, 11, and nobody really knew what to do with them. That's kind of where I was at. Like, I was just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going on. But people seem to really like it. So I guess that's cool. <laughs> but so it was blowing up on and off the internet. So can you tell us, tell our listeners just a little bit more about that? So I think it was on Tosh.0 and just like every website at the time. So what oh, was yeah. that? trajectory likes just seeing it everywhere it was it was pretty wild for sure um i would hear about all of this stuff from friends they would just be messaging me like look it's on tosh it's on cnn it's on all these other websites and I ended up on time and i was like really wow. proud of that but nobody really my friends were like oh whatever but, <laughs> but i still have that magazine somewhere but um yeah like it it, it was so weird seeing it and like nobody at the time, people didn't like believe that it was me making it. So I would be pointing at this picture and be like, look, I made that. And everybody <laughs> would be like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was something I was like proud of myself, but like nobody really understood at the time. Right. But <laughs> okay. So let's get into that. You were seeing it everywhere. What percentage mm -hmm. of that blow up of Neon Cat included people coming to you and crediting you? And what percentage was just watching people run with it with absolutely no credit or, you know, any kind of payment at all? That's a good question. Um, it was kind of all over the place. Um, I had lots of emails with people just giving me their support and love and they were just saying how it just would make their day and just be bright. And at the same time, I had people, you know, the people that ran with it actually never really contacted me, but it was cool. Like it was, it was, flying all over the internet and people were just sharing it all over the place, which is awesome. But then there was like a few percentages of people trying to like, I have had people uh, try to make like toy deals and like games out of that. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a very selective person. So that was always very, um, I kind of always preceded those with caution because I just, you know, I was new, at, new to it at the time. So I didn't really know what, you know, what would come out of something like this. And at the time, I didn't know that it would become such a huge thing. I thought, I, you know, at the time, memes were, you know, live and die within a week's time. So I was like, you know, this is probably just a little trend that people, you know, just really love. But honestly, it's 10 years later and it's still, <laughs> it's still fine. <laughs> it's still up there. It's got, I think it's got like 185 million views, actually more than that on YouTube. And it's, I don't think it's stopping anytime soon. <laughs> so you mentioned kids' toys, video games. What are all the different ways that it was being monetized? Um, I kept it kind of small since the beginning, but I know way back in 2012, we released a small toy line, like a limited edition toy line. It actually got picked up by uh, big realtors like uh, Toys R Us, uh, Rest It's Soul, <laughs> Toys R Us. Um, and we came out with a few small games, but after that, I kind of, I kind of saw how Nancat was gonna, you know, getting a little too big for the monetization. So I just kind of like stopped. I kind of pretty much stopped most of the kind of uh, licensing deals that were coming my way because I just wanted to let let it just free and let it go free. And it was just kind of getting a little complicated. But yeah, like we, uh, I know back then we had a toy line and then we had a few games come out for it. 
And, you know, I just kind of kept it easy after that. I didn't really do too much with it after that. I got to I got to show my respect for that because license like, as you said, the image and the meme and the remixes can go everywhere. But licensing is the answer to how do I make money on this? And I think of things like Hello Kitty, which is not like a game or a specific toy. It is just an image of a cat and it's a bajillion dollar company. You know what I mean? And you could have had like I'm not being silly when I say this, you could have created that and you didn't. I think I think it's a little different. Uh, I know the Hello Kitty is more of a entity slash brand, and they have like billion dollars of marketing. <laughs> Good for them. But um, <clears throat> with me, it was just you know it was just me like a one person team the whole time. I didn't want to get too over my head. I didn't want to make it too busy. And I also know that memes thrive on keeping it on the internet. I think that's a very important part of a meme. Like first of all, not forcing a meme. And second of all, like just not going too hard on it. And I don't know, I've always been a big fan of memes since the early 1990s, way back AOL 3.0 days, those old school memes. And I always noticed that whenever a meme ended up being in the store, people started, (laughs) you know, kind of looking down on it. And then, you know, there was always a little decline. You know, that was kind of my approach. I wasn't, again, I never really had a plan. I just knew that if I went too hard on it, it wouldn't be as cool as it is today. So let's transition into non-fungible tokens. Uh, Chris, how would you define an NFT? Oh, okay. So (laughs) I think the easiest way to define an NFT is basically it's like a trading card that exists in on a blockchain that every single part of its existence is, is tracked and, you know, like attributed to either the owner or the artist involved. And, you know, I think that's kind of a cool thing with NFTs. That, and that's really why I got into it. Basically, an artist will create a piece of work. They can mint it on whatever website that they choose. Uh, I'm using Foundation for my platform at the moment, and it's working pretty well. And then, you know, then they go out and see, you know, <laughs> see if there's value to it. Usually it, it all depends on the person that wants to bid on it, like the collectors. They, they kind of decide on the value and popularity of it. Um, in my case, Nancat's kind of been flying high for 10 years and it's kind of earned itself a little household name. So it has like a little bit of a following with it, which is kind of wild. We want to hear more about you selling it and all of that at auction. But how have NFTs been changing the art world specifically? I think that NFTs have been giving more power to the actual artists that create stuff. And actually, I'll talk about that in a little bit. I've known people that have created memes on accident that they've become really huge. And those people ended up just not making anything at all, not even getting name for themselves because of the fact that, you know, the internet will do what it wants with an image and they'll let it run free. And, you know, for the most part, that's great. But, you know, at the end of the day, you a lot of people don't know the original people behind these kind of memes. And I think NFTs changes changes that entirely. It gives it, you know, it lets the original creator actually have, you know, proper attribution for their work and they can monetize on their art and, you know, things can be awesome. <laughs> And for the person who would purchase this, um, so what does it mean to have ownership of it then for them? Like, is it just bragging rights or is it something more? What what does it mean exactly online to own that? Um, so NFTs, there is a whole bunch of bragging rights, absolutely, you know, because <laughs> artists definitely have, you know, some kind of you kind of work your way up the ranks in the nft community and not just by like being a popular person by like it's more like networking and getting to know other people and and that's kind of a really cool part of the nft community that's not really talked about just the fact that there's just like a small close-knit 
group of people that are willing to all work together so everybody can succeed, which I feel is awesome. But um, <clears throat> in this case with the NCAT NFT, yes, there's bragging rights. The person that um, actually purchased mine has the you know only version of the original video in existence, which I've, you know, wow. I'm definitely going to make sure that's going to stay in the case. But they also get, you know, it's like a promise and kind of like a little stock in a way where, you know, based on how everything goes with memes in the future, the value is only going to go up. So this person can definitely in the future, if they wish to, you know, make a profit if things go well, you know, obviously <laughs> I've know I've seen, you know, um, I'm sure everybody's already heard of Beeple and his yes. success in the NFT world. Um, I know that for instance, somebody purchased one of his works, uh, I want to say maybe last year or so for about $600,000 and they were able to actually sell it for about six for, for several men, for several million. And, wow. you know, that's kind of how it works. Like it's, it's more of a, like a stock is what I would <laughs> yeah, say. Yeah. And that's what's so crazy to me is that it's like stocks based on art, which is kind of cool, but then like is so strange to me because also the other thing is, you know, if you pay for like the Mona Lisa, uh, you're getting this one of a kind piece of artwork. And what's wild to me about digital work is it can be replicated and be completely identical to the original. So it's confusing what people are paying for, you know? Yeah, of course. Um, so there's there's different instances where NFTs can either be a one edition or a several copy edition. And it depends on the artist, obviously. But let's say with the Mona Lisa, if you were to create an NFT of the Mona Lisa and put it out there, you know, hopefully the promise is that it's the only NFT in existence. And the person that buys it gets to you know, gets all the bragging rights involved that they own the digital version of the Mona Lisa. And, you know, most likely it'll stay as a one copy. Now, in the future, the Mona Lisa could always be destroyed, perish somehow, but the digital one will always survive on the blockchain, which always, you know, which I feel like is a really cool thing on that. And that's, that's one thing that differentiates physical art from digital art. It just, you can't really destroy digital, digital art as easily as physical art. Right. But it's interesting because the physical art is what is so one of a kind. Yeah. But, you know, so is the NFT. And it's it's the whole thing where the Mona Lisa was actually created, you know, so, so long ago. NFTs are still brand new. So mm -hmm. we don't really know how things will go. But, you know, we're still at the infancy of it. So yeah. I and, and things are just absolutely booming, like the space every day, new things are being thought up. So like, I think over time, things like this will just appreciate better and just get more valuable as we go. Yeah, you mentioned one of a kind versus an artist creating multiple of the same. Um, is that something that is con that is contractual in the sense that I imagine you can't say to someone, oh, it's one of a kind, buy it. And then you say, actually, I'm producing more because that would lessen the value of that one right well there there always is that chance of that but honestly oh, so that it's is not like, in the contracts like they could create more like you could create another neon cat and sell that i could if i wanted to however i know that that is basically artistic suicide in the nft mm -hmm. world like <laughs> if mm -hmm. i was to create another version of neon cat nft right now and post it today I okay would... so it's not contractual but it's sort of an un unstated rule that if you do sell it, it you're not going to go make others it's more like a promise right? and yeah it's it's absolutely it's it's more like a promise is what i like to say and you know most people will honor that promise like i won't i won't never um 
I will never uh, make another instance of that one. But there's a, you know, any artist could, like could do something like that. And honestly, I think that's just the best, the worst move you could ever make in the space. Because not only will it just tank your whole thing that you have going on, but the piece that you have will just totally also, you know, tank. And then you'll just lose the trust of any collectors in the future. So I, I always see it that way. Um, but I think it's cool that there are ways to do that the right way. You can do the one-to-one where somebody, you know, definitely goes, hey, this is the only version of this. Or you can do like, I know they do like lots of different sets. Like you can buy maybe 50 of this other version where you can, you know, trade it with your friends. And then that actually, over time, it gets you royalties as well. So it depends on the artist. But, you know, the, the firm rule slash promises, a one-to-one should stay a one-to-one. You know, if you, if you honestly, if you make another one, then... I wish then, you're, I wish, a jerk. then yeah, you're a jerk and I wish you the best in picking all the pieces. <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes me think of um, modern artists who use physical media, but who say, okay, th- th- I've created the art and then I'm creating 500 prints. And this is number 74 of 500, still rare, still unique, but they are copies that are then distributed at value. And, and this, there, there, there are analogs here, I think, to what you're describing. Yeah, it's, it's basically the same thing. It, you know, honestly depends on the people that hold the pieces and i've actually started getting into something similar like that lately i actually released a different a brand new version of nyan cat for saint patrick's day for example i call it lucky nyan cat and he's got a little beer on his head and it's all green and shamrocky but i actually gave that away to um 130 people and it kind of lives on the platform called OpenSea, where people are kind of trading it they're you know they they know that there is only a set number of pieces i'm not going to make any more of that and it's kind of earning its own little like ecosystem with that specific piece now it's totally different from the one the one piece where you can look at both of them and you'll just you know it's very uh, obvious that they're two different pieces but both different types of nfts can definitely exist in a space as long as it's done correctly we'd love to hear all the different ways that nfts protect the artist i think mm-hmm. the most straightforward is probably that you can prove that you are the creator and you can sell it and get paid for it. But is there any kind of remuneration that happens when someone modifies your artwork? Like what what else? What other benefits do, do the NFTs hold? Well, uh, that kind of the, the first part is kind of the main promise slash protection that NFTs give you. Uh, they do give you the, you know, the, the proper attribution. They do tell everybody that you are the creator. In terms of somebody just taking this picture and posting it somewhere else, that kind of turns into something else more like alongs of like copyrights and the laws that go with that. You know, I'm not a financial advisor. I don't I don't know too much about law and that stuff, but I know that if you were to take, let's say Disney comes out and then they make a Mickey Mouse NFT, I don't know, they they do one-to-one, whatever, somebody takes it, they make their own NFT, they're then using, you know, somebody's actual work to make financial gain for themselves. And that's always, you know, that's definitely crossing the copyright rules that are in play for all of this. You know, it's always it's always a touchy subject because I know sometimes there's parody involved and I really don't know all of the details in that. But I know that at the end of the day, though, the coolest thing that NFTs can give you is that, yeah, there's two versions of this Mickey Mouse NFT floating around. But if you look at the person that owns it, you'll be able to tell who's the fake and who is, you know, the real deal. And that 
that's where the value is added. You know, if you were to buy the fake Mickey Mouse, then, you know, you're you're kind of stuck with this fake piece <laughs> that, that has no value at the end of the day. Shit, you just made me think about, um, not that I'm advocating for mega corporations to get in on this, but when uh, uh, hand-drawn animation was the norm, you'd have artists who created cells Mm-hmm. And those individual cells from like a moment from, you know, Cinderella, uh, an iconic movie, had value and sold at auctions and whatever. But if you think about Frozen or something, that's all digital animation. Artists worked just as hard to create this amazing film, but there's nothing to, there. there's no uh, uh, frame or cell to like physically uh you know until now uh, until now now. so that's screenshots Screenshots work (laughs) yeah yeah uh no actually that's a good thing that you mentioned about the cells back then it's almost like a predate you know predated nft in a way where you had maybe 100 cells of this character running on a log or whatever the cell had and and you know it was numbered and and you know sold to different people and then those people collected they stored they you know may have lost you know their pieces and over time the value kind of ends up you know being judged on the care for all of the pieces that are out there and and if these are slightly like that however you can't you can't destroy them as easily <laughs> so right so Tell us about how you sold Nyan Cat, <laughs> uh, the original <laughs> image for it was it six hundred thousand. Uh, so it was three hundred Ethereum. Where at the time, you know, Ethereum goes up and down. At the time, it was about five hundred and sixty thousand dollars, which absolutely blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. it was, it's such a life changing amount. So the whole build up with that was kind of just I had to kind of learn everything. In such amount, you know, such a short amount of time, um, I had only been introduced into NFTs maybe two to three weeks earlier by a good friend of mine, and at the time, I had no clue what was going on. I had no idea where to start, but you know, I just started learning. I just started reading up as much as I could about it. I got help from like as many people as I could on Twitter, and then I just like realized just the potential of the value of my stuff that could be on there. Like my, you know, Nyan Cat stuff loves to be shared all over the world, but it would be, you know, in my head, in my head, I was like, it's cool to have the, the official, you know, first piece out there for it. When, when I, when I started doing that, I just kind of like, I remastered the original image. I took the original uh, animation and then I put it, you know, I just, kind of started from scratch and I made it look really good for the, for the anniversary. And it just kind of felt like a, like a perfect match. It was like an anniversary coming up, uh, art, which I love. And like this whole community that was like backing me on it, which was amazing. And I posted it up on foundation. I want to say a little bit over a month ago and it got a bit pretty much on almost instantly. And then that started a uh, 24 hour timer on the auction where if anybody bid in the last 15 minutes, it would, extend another 15 minutes and it ended up having like a bidding war for about an hour or so <laughs> and the whole thing was streamed um because i know foundation actually got me in on this like live stream on twitch about it and i was like trying so hard to remain cool about it but in my head i was like oh my god it's so much money <laughs> <laughs> it was so exciting um but yeah it was definitely a surreal moment i was not expecting to, it to blow up as much as it did but you know it, it it worked out for the best and it and it actually really helped propel me into the nft space to like you know make a name for myself which i'm just eternally grateful for i know a lot of this is anonymous but have you had any contact with the person who owns it owns oh, oh sorry, uh, yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, of course. Um, I actually have talked to this person. They do want to remain anonymous for now. So I'm going to respect that. But they they like I I talked to them and I was just like, hey, you know, (laughs) like, (laughs) I just want to thank you so much. This is just amazing. And they they basically told me that they just really love Niancat. They're a big fan of my work and they see the potential of it in the space and i was like this is awesome like this is this is like so talking cool. to a superstar yeah <laughs> and then okay. and wait, I, wait wait and wait I, wait 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 you heard it here is this person someone that we know have we heard of him or her i don't think so ah, i don't all right yeah right. i don't i um i know they're <laughs> kind of well known here <laughs> yeah no <laughs> i wish i could tell you more i know they're kind of well known in the space however you know i would rather not give him the space okay <laughs> <laughs> NFT space. Got it. Got it. Um, okay. So what are what do you think are the other potential uses of this technology? Oh, I've seen a whole bunch of it already. Um, I know that you can create music this way. You can create generated art where you just kind of throw stuff in a computer and out comes something brand new and never thought of before. What? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, people, people are trying to sell me on that idea. And I'm like, mm, it sounds interesting. But um, I know a lot of people are doing that now, like with CryptoPunks, those were, you know, kind of randomized in a way where it was just, you know, you put them in a computer and out comes something new. And I've seen stuff in the VR space. I know that's where a lot of it is heading in the near future. And it's kind of heading there now. Um, However, I don't have the technology on me to get in there, (laughs) but (laughs) I've seen pictures and it looks really cool. And then um, I've also seen, oh, what else have I seen? I don't know. I've seen every day there's something new. And I have to like read up on whatever this new thing, this new technology is for NFTs. Honestly, the sky's the limit for them because they're just, we're still like creating the platforms for NFTs. And I think anybody that's in on it right now is still early in the space. Yeah. What? So you mentioned Foundation. What are the, do you know the major marketplaces selling digital artwork on the blockchain? Um, I know Foundation is, it's relatively new, but it's doing a great job. Uh, there's also Super Rare. You have to apply. You have to apply to both of them. Then there's uh, more open spaces like OpenSea. Then there's Rarible. There's a whole bunch of places and tiers of places to sell your art. It just kind of depends on the artist and what they have for their image, for their brand. All right. Well, we have a few questions from our Discord, discord.gg slash 2G1P. Yeah, yeah. So from Mr. Control, what flavor of Pop-Tart is it? <laughs> uh, it <laughs> is... Oh, it is either strawberry or cherry. I forget which one it is at the moment. It's definitely strawberry. Are, Cherry's gross. We need we need to know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Strawberry. Yeah. Strawberry is my go-to choice. Great. So let's okay. go. Let's go with strawberry. Similarly, from Janus Weeb, why a cat and a pop tart? Well, actually, Nyan Cat is based off my um, my old cat Marty. He was a Russian blue, and he was the most energetic cat that I have ever known. Really big sweetie though, but Aww. that's kind of what it was based off of. I love drawing cats and I love always drawing my cats in my art. And it was kind of a reflection of Marty himself. We have this cat, the same, same kind of breed, Russian blue, just spazzing around, flying, flying around all over the place. And I feel like I captured it pretty well, his, his mannerisms in this image. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Intimacy Gandhi asks, did you intend for it to blow up as much as it did? I think the answer is no. Do you have anything else to (laughs) add? Absolutely not. No, it's, it's still, it's still a surreal experience. Like 10 years, 10 years later, I still can't believe that 
Neancat has like taken over the world in such a way where it just has this this household name attribution to it where everybody just already knows what it is. And it's weird because like I've I've drawn art for I've done art for like 20 years. Um, I started with this old comics called LOL Comics. And, you know, it was always really small, not really known. And then all of a sudden Yancat came in and it's just like, boom, like all of a sudden it's just, it's some, this is next level stuff. And I'm still, every day I wake up and I'm like, what's going to happen today? Because like every day is just something, something special and different. <laughs> and then Des is done is curious. What is your favorite spinoff of the mean? Ooh, um, well, there's a whole bunch of them that I like. Um, I know that Facebook had uh, like a whole mural for it where it was like LED lights that <laughs> animated and it was really cool. I love like all the versions, honestly. Like, but if I had to choose one, I know there is one where it was like a Nyan cat with different types like of, of art. Like there was like a like a Star Wars looking one. I don't know. It was like a whole musical for it. I forgot the name of it. But I think that one was my favorite. There's so many to choose from. I can't really think of one on the spot, but... I, well, I'm just going to say all of it. I was that all of them. There you go. Favorite. <laughs> but, but here's here's an important addendum, uh, and we have questions from our staff here at the Daily Dot. Uh, Anna Valens, who's one of our culture writers, asked that question, but also asked, "What is your least favorite remix or rendition of the artwork?" Least favorite. Um, I think I can't really think of anything that's least favorite. However, like whenever you use Nancat, kind of in a, a mean spirited way, that's that's always kind of um, off putting to me. I, I know I've seen some uses of that over time. But I haven't really seen one that I've like truly hated. You know, everybody has their own art style, but you know, it's more about the attitude of execution for it. You know, if, if you're if you're doing it in a in a good spirited way, I love to see that. But if you're kind of using it in a in a weird bad way i'm just like why why what are you doing stop <laughs> <laughs> well so and in that vein too a, a thread of questions here uh michael thalen another one of our writers is asking uh, apparently uh the artwork was sort of adopted or co-opted by hacking groups like lulsec and so you know oh, and, and yeah. they're not necessarily I, I don't know how nefarious lulsec is on the scale of hackers but how do you feel about that sort of stuff oh man i it's been so long since I've heard about Lulsec. <laughs> I know that was a big thing <laughs> in the the early days of it. Um, I did see a few uses of what they were doing, and honestly, I I'm still trying to understand it because it was it was um they were going after some people at the time. It was it was kind of weird, but I don't think it was meant to like be the face of hacking or piracy. I think it was just like they were just having fun with the Ancat. I think they just enjoyed it. So it's kind of a weird toss up kind of thing because like they didn't really mess with the Ancat. They were just they just had their own thing going on and they just so happened to really like Nancat. So <laughs> that's yeah. All right. So here's another one from our staff. This is from Jason Reed, who is a fellow artist. He's our art director uh, and a fan of uh, Nancat and also Tiffany Kelly, our culture editor. They are both interested to hear about the environmental impact of NFTs. And this is an ongoing conversation as NFTs emerge. Mm. We know that uh, just to set the stage for this and then Chris, I, I, we are eager to hear your uh, your take on this mm -hmm. cryptocurrency currently as it is being created so to speak needs to be mined and in the world people use high-powered computers running all day long to mine cryptocurrency and this creates carbon emissions and it's it's a it's a very uh, not so great thing my understanding of nfts was just about ownership of a digital object as you've explained and no one is mining nyan cat however 
it was sold for Ethereum, which then you know has a record of carbon emission. What's your take on this? Have you been have have you seen criticism of of this uh, as this has taken shape? Yeah, I've seen I've seen a whole bunch of criticism and ideas thrown around all over the place about it. To be fair, I don't know all the the details, but I don't think everybody knows all the full details as well. I know that you know it, it definitely takes Ethereum to create an NFT or or, or you know, have one sold to them. However, I think the um, actions that these people take to um, go go against the you know the the eco emissions part of it, I've seen them actually go after artists, like single artists that you know just happy to be here kind of thing. And I feel like that's the incorrect way to go on about it. I feel like the attention should be drawn more towards you know the the technology involved. We're still kind of like in the infancy stages of all of this and actually do know that Ethereum will get better over time. They're actually working on better ways to improve it. You know, there are some flaws in the system. I, you know, it definitely needs work, but I do see improvement every day. And I think that's that's the cool part of it. People are actually trying to make Ethereum more eco-friendly and useful for the future. And now you can always compare um, the eco emissions to, uh, you know, other big things like there's you use precious metals in your phone you know you you're on twitter which also uses emissions to you know to do things all the time you know basically everything you do every day has some kind of impact on the world but i think i think nfts are working to try to make themselves better for the environment in the future and i you know i'm i'm definitely here to see that happen if i wanted to purchase at the auction that you described earlier if yeah. i wanted to make the purchase could I have done it with normal currency or did I have to own or mine Ethereum specifically to to complete the transaction? So with uh, with the Niankan NFT and basically all of the ones that I will be making in the future, you definitely do need Ethereum to make it happen. You know, I could definitely switch over to the more traditional way of cash, but I don't think it would fetch as much, you know, because you would have to have a whole room full of people ready for it. But I think that... Um, you know that's that's just the way it is right now with nfts they take mm -hmm. they take some kind of currency some cryptocurrency to actually enter the space and collect the the pieces involved are the blockchains separated meaning there's a blockchain that proves that i own 300 ethereum and there's a different blockchain that proves that i own Niancat, or are they the same thing and in this case it would be the same thing because because um, the nfts that i'm using are on the ethereum blockchain network got it now that there are helpful. yeah there are other ones to do it i know there's um i know there's a one called wax i don't really know the details on that but that's its own area of nfts and i know there's other ones kind of trying to get into the space as well so i think in the future we will see different options for it but right now the main way of doing it is through ethereum through uh, the ethereum blockchain no, I feel thoroughly uh, enlightened and confused, and that's kind of what I was hoping for. So thank you that's, so much for joining yeah. us. That's every day for me, yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Um, it was, you know, it's great, it great talking about this, and uh, it's exciting knowing that Niancat is 10 years next month yes. flying Ooh. through space. And, you know, let's hope for 10 more. Well, who knew that a cat with a breakfast pastry body would earn someone half a million dollars 10 years later. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. I really think that I have not been thinking big, you know? Uh, as you guys mm. know, yeah. I'm, I'm releasing my coin, Bitcoin, um, on the cock chain. But I also <laughs> think there's a real market opportunity here. Um, I think I am going to release one-of-a-kind dick art on the cock chain. 
and see what kind of uh, dollar dollar bills I can make. Um, except for by dollar dollar bills, I mean Ethereum. What do you guys think <laughs> about this plan? Is it good? Is it a good plan? Is it? I mean, it's as, as good a plan as any plan. <laughs> as much as we can plan for these things, I think in the world the we're living kind of in, yes. Confidence was that, Jennifer. <laughs> I believe in you, but I take my plans elsewhere. <laughs> I know. I'm still trying to wrap my brain around all this. So I'm like, but it can still be replicated, can it? I don't know, but um, anyhow, yeah, yeah, do it. Do it. Go for it. I'm fully on board with your plan. My my question, my Shark Tank question is, how are you sourcing the dicks? <laughs> is it work for hire? Meaning it's just a model comes in and they pay, they get paid well, but there's no residuals. There's no licensing be, fees. Uh, just one of a kind, hand-drawn dick art, or mm-hmm. maybe um, decorated dicks. That's what I assume. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You know, people come in, I put some googly eyes on it and a top hat, take a photo, and it's mine. What is the compensation structure for the original dick owner? You know oh, what I'm he just gets to have a great afternoon. So, so you're saying, <laughs> hey, I got to have a make... fluffer on staff. I mean, he's going to have a great time. I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's like fleeting art. They're only... <laughs> hard for so long i'm sorry guys yeah yeah so it's a it's ephemeral you know it's the fuck jerry model of hey come create content in exchange for exposure and i'm gonna monetize it literal exposure (laughs) yeah all right now we're getting somewhere now we've all now we've got all our heads together puns intended we're thinking it through and i think this has legs and dicks Okay. Yes. You know, this episode was cool. entirely too wholesome, so thank you for <laughs> setting us off on that note. <laughs> You're welcome for, you yes. know, doing the usual. Yep, yep, yep. Anyone else have any thoughts? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can tweet at us. I'm at June Bugger, J-O-O-N-B-U-G-G-E-R. I'm at Allie Gold, L-L-I-G-O-L-D. Gotta get that date. That's right. I'm sorry. Look, you- I lost my mind a long time ago. I don't even know what's happening, all right? I'm just... Mm-hmm. Here in year 47 of quarantine, talking to myself <laughs> in my closet, and that's what's up, you know? Looking at a box of matzahs. I don't know how it got here. Do we need an intervention? <laughs> Her microphone stand is a box of matzahs. Like, I, c- I right. couldn't even write that joke. It's so oh, good. Oh, boy. Oh, oh boy. All right. Well, other ways you can be in touch with us because Allie clearly needs some human contact is uh, 2G1podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you via email. Also, send please- us pictures of your penis by email. Please do. Thank you. <laughs> Matt, you yep. don't want to put that out in the world. <laughs> 2G1podcast at gmail.com. If you do, I may decorate it and put it on the cock chain. <laughs> you can also text us or leave us a voicemail. That number is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6548. And you can join our Discord server, discord.gg slash 2G1P. You heard some questions from there today. Uh, please come, contribute, be a part of the community, and uh, submit questions for future shows. We love hearing from you. Discord.gg slash 2G1P. Last but not least, Ali, if they would like to donate to our show how do they friends if it weren't for you we would have no podcast and in case you haven't noticed uh we're not famous you've never heard of us so uh please go to patreon.com slash 2g1p if you've been listening for a while and you're like huh i like them donate
made a dollar. You know, dollar a month. You can do it. Your job's probably coming back soon, you know. <laughs> People are getting vaccinated. You might have a job soon. Give us a dollar. Patreon.com slash 2G1P. All right, folks. We'll see you next time. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg, then sold as a non-fungible token to one lucky listener. For $12, I mean produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Additional editing by Phoenix Williams. Additional music by Robert Austin Music. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A sonic universe. But the cat doesn't laugh or even smile.